Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the deadly boys of What Culture, Michael Amplett and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into this, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz of course on wrestle culture as I said though joined by Hamlet and Cedric to review the show we have to call NXT 2.0 apparently and what a show this was Hamlet first of all what did you make of the new look NXT great like just great I'll bore of it like I'll tire of it like everything else within a month because you can already see that this show will be boring us again quite soon because by the end of the in-ring portion, at least of the of the two hours, uh, it was falling into all the sort of WWE traps, but it was sort of neat seeing NXT's branding on a show that looked like this for, I'd say, the first 45 minutes to an hour. Um, like, being earnest, there were style choices that I genuinely liked. That giant NXT logo that's always facing the hard camera, um, being amenable to different people's branding and colours and all that sort of stuff was kind of cool. Love the seating arrangement around the ring. We talked about it a bit on the little animated preview that we got. Looked even better in real life. Mm. Like genuinely just a really cool presentation of a wrestling show. Like felt airy, felt interesting. What it did, like, and I've seen a bit of criticism for this on the timeline, but I sort of feel like a lot of people are punching down on a lot of the lot Lee's aesthetics. I think it's the done thing to not like wrestling that looks like this. Not the Kevin done thing that would come later. But like it's the done thing to not enjoy wrestling that looks like this. I'm all up for like anything that addressed the CWC. And that's what this look did specifically. It addressed every complaint with the CWC and fixed it. So I thought it looked tremendous. Um the work started to sag. And then it was like, oh, I'm kind of bored of the paint splash ring posts and the overly seating because the wrestling's getting a little bit boring again. Um, but for week one, it was absolutely that bucket of freezing cold paint in the face, um, to paraphrase an old phrase. It just, I don't know, it was like one of the biggest complaints we've had for months and months and months was addressed. Um, so I, like, I have no complaints about that whatsoever. 
I mean, I'll completely echo that. It looked very much like a Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn production. And I kind of wish Raw Smackdown looked like this because their production now has completely withered and died over the past however many years with the camera cuts, with how everything just looks so homogenized and polished and stained with the lights in a deep red or blue primary color. This is vibrant. And this is the first thing I thought when I saw the setup very much was this is why Paul has been demoted. This is why they hated what it looked like because with this beautiful setup, into it was very garish with the colours, but in terms of the architecture of the NXT arena, whatever the frick they're calling it now, there's not that many people in it, but it looks like there's loads, yeah, or at least loads more. This is why Vince McMahon won. I'm telling you, all the way back to Dick Ebersole and NBC, this is how he won. He's not going to win with this, but this is how he won. Mm. It looked like there were loads of people there. They were very enthusiastic, whether they were high on like the, the atmosphere of change. Like NXT for the first time since November 2019's dominated the, the discourse and the timelines today. Um, yeah, it looked very, very polished and bigger than it had any right to be. Didn't look anywhere near as garish as the memes in anticipation licked lipped anticipation didn't really come across like that and ultimately we like to give our summary of the show before we delve into the guts of it it was nice to enjoy nxt again with total irony i should add but it was nonetheless nice and on this night a star was born and i'm not even talking about bron breaker we'll get to the guy i'm talking about in due course um and what a, a wrestling wedding, which I'm giddy with excitement to talk about. Uh, but the show starts with promos from the four men competing to be the new NXT champion. Tommaso Ciampa says he doesn't care which NXT it is, despite this being a new NXT. He's going to be the champion of it. I don't think she's time for a browser white to be a champion. Uh, Cool Cattle Rally says he's one win away from achieving a goal that is 16 years in the making. It's about damn time he wins the NXT title. And I'll pick our call to be the new NXT champion. L.A. Knight, he cuts a promo and you think, yep, he's going last because he's, he's going to be the new champ. And this is the first glimpse of what we're going to see by the end of the night. He shoots on the former champion, Samoa Joe. He says the medical reason for him vacating the title was due to him losing his manhood. What's that mean, uh, Sige? Say all that again. What does losing his manhood, what's like, can you translate that for me? Don't do this cack. Yeah, thanks, really. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he said he's scared of, uh, of LA Knight, uh, and all three, three others are stuck in that same spot now. When in walks... Bron Breaker, who <laughs> was, I think, called Bronson Rex Steiner. I thought he was called Rex Steiner at one point. But anyway, no, he's uh, he's in there. He's in a very colourful, almost Steiner's-esque, let's say, singlet. And he says, hello, Mr. Knight, effectively. I want, he wants to prove himself. He's excited for this new NXT and I response by saying he's going to beat the brakes off this cross-eyed half-wit. <laughs> Uh, Sage, what, before we get to this opening match, uh, what did you think of, of this to, to start the show? Weird. What I loved about this very specific, uh, the series is on its arse, but it's still making just enough money, so we'll just get some new cast members because 
Well, ironically, when this usually happens, like loads of them get big, the TV sitcom cast get big and they take up different acting roles and they open the door of the vehicle that got them to stardom and just become stars. And then you get like, hey, look at the cousin that hasn't been here for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> He's always been here. And like Ron Break, I was like, what? This wasn't that, like, it's what I'm looking for. Inexplicable, I guess. Like, there was a worse one later. It was even funnier, but this still had that same energy. The difference, of course, being that the stars of NXT didn't become stars on the main roster. So it just adds to the weirdness of it all. But my God, he's the idiot meathead son of Rick Steiner wearing early 90s Steiner Brothers gear. Uh, how can I not be into that, man? It's hard, my stuff. Yeah, hit me in those exact same feelings. Um, what was great about that gear was that the more you examined it, the more your eyes moved to the awesome muscles underneath it. And it was like, well, I'm already a Bron Breaker guy then. And like, let's have a moment on Bron Breaker, can we? Because there's other examples on this. What was great about Vince and Bruce and Johnny and Kev getting the wheel of all this is that we've also gone all the way back to the late 2000s, early 2010s, random name generator era of developmental guys. And I am absolutely here for that. Like, Ironically. Day- oh, yeah. Oh, it's all awful. Like, you had the days of uh, <laughs> Breeden, Breeden, Creedon, and Caitlin Craft. I, like, I remember there was once, like, this is before, obviously, Sting eventually did show up. Somebody mocked at what he would look like in FCW, and the name they gave him was Borden Stevens. <laughs> and it, just, like, it felt so right, because Borden is, like, an ideal first name. Bron Break is terrible. Um... But, you know, Eli Cottonwood was terrible. Michael McGillicuddy was terrible. They, like, made that an art form. That generation of terrible wrestling name became a thing. It was back to, like, with the vent. We've got it in literally the next match. One of the guys, the, the losers against Imperium, had another Brooks Jensen. Just the hoist and uh, wall. And, it's not even, like, see what sticks. It's like, oh, it's fallen off. It's not stuck. Give me it anyway. Pick the, <laughs> pick, Pick the lumps of sh- off the floor that have slid down the wall, and that's your job now. <laughs> like, I, I love it, man. I like Bron Breakers. Like, I think this, you know, Rex Steiner was right there. It's your actual surname. It's a legacy thing. Bron Breaker. <laughs> it's got two B. It's it's alliterative. Sorry, <laughs> you know the rules. I don't, I don't make him. You bossed That guy <laughs> right there who, who doesn't respect any of yours, but he likes them biceps, and so do I. Yes, Ron Breaker uh, dominated for the most part. L.A. Knight, you know, L.A. Knight, he's the million-dollar megastar. He was in control early on. Uh, but Ron Breaker's, yeah, a Steiner, so quite big and controlling in that oh, that 90s singler, like you say. Um, but Knight fights back. He hits a clothesline. He hits a jumping neck breaker. Um, but then all of a sudden, Breaker goes, right, enough of this. Grabs L.A. Knight, belly to bellies him. Knight tries to fight back. Breaker just picks him up, gorilla presses him, drops him, power slam, one, two, three. And I go, well, LA Knight's not going to be the new NXT champion then, Hamlet. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, we got quite a bit wrong in terms of the predictions of that match. And I guess we'll get to more of that in the match itself. But certainly our belief, <laughs> our belief in LA Knight's success was rooted in the idea that you look at all the other, and I mean look, you look at the other competitors and you think, He's kind of the biggest. Like he's he's short, but he's like stacked and stocky and jacked and all this sort of stuff. And then they were like, "Aye, but we've got tall and stocky and jacked. So why would we need LA Knight anymore?" Um, he's just he's a lesser than to their other 
bigger guys. What I liked about this, genuinely what I liked about this, and this is a pattern throughout the show, one of the th- few things they got right, which NXT has been getting wrong for months, was the length of the match. Um, there was nowhere near enough time for us to get bored. There was nowhere near enough time for us to see the obvious gaps in Bron Breaker's game. And I don't mean that because I think he did anything wrong, just because the fact that he's young and he's still getting going and we've never seen him on screen before tonight. There was, this genuinely was highlighting the positives and hiding the negatives. So in that sense, there's a bit of like earnest praise for this. Let me take that away because I very much enjoyed somebody screaming for Vic Joseph to scream, he's wrestling like a dog-faced gremlin. And then like, you can imagine off mic going, can, can I call him a Steiner brother? No. I, I, I don't know why I said dog face gremlin. Nobody else was in a dog face gremlin. Like, I love I, this stupid company. This stupid, com- stupid company. The stupid company's back. And <laughs> I have to have a little bit of earnest praise and then I'm going to bury it in a second. This is like the good thing about having a developmental show, whether it's a formally developmental show which this now is, or whether it's something like the WWF in the 90s when you can actually plot from day one your emotional investment in a performer. And you know that WWF in the 1990s was always competent, almost always competent or long-term in its vision. So you can actually bother with it. It's always so rewarding. We've seen it with Jungle Boy. How rewarding has it been with Jungle Boy from day one? This was better, almost for how green Rex Steiner was. Bron Breaker, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love that he was green, because at some point I'm going to see him evolve into someone less green, and someone really formidable, someone who matches the hype, someone who can go full Rick, or hopefully Scott Steiner. <laughs> hopefully he takes after his uncle, because he was the best one by miles. <laughs> this was smart booking as well, because what you've done is, in the event of writing somebody out of the four-way main event match, is that you've got a ready play, ready-made replacement in Bronson Breaker. Bronson, what's he called? Bron, Bron Breaker. Everyone's name is Bronson or Breaker or Bron or Braden or Broaden. Like they're all they're all the same at this point. Right? Lead, Lader, Bron Breaker. So, so what's good here is that with one eye on the write-off that happened in the Fatal 4-Way main event, what you've done was is that you've introduced a new character to the audience who's proven himself capable of defeating someone in that 4-Way. Mm-hmm. So that person can slot into the Fatal 4-Way <laughs> later on in the night. Smart book, and we'll revisit this later. Yes, indeed. We'll come back to that, not to, to spoil the, the main event, or not the main event, actually, the co-main, I suppose. Uh, then we got the Boring Bastards in Imperium versus Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. Who's Brooks Jensen's relative? Is it um, Albert? Buchanan. Oh, Bull Buchanan. Yeah. Oh, why have I got that in my head? I don't know why. You should know that, Wilbon. Not, like, not to steal one of your bits here, but Brooks... Being the son of Bobby Cannon makes it one of the 56 Bs of NXT. Let me begin. <laughs> there's Braun, there's Breaker, there's Brooks. That's that one. Brooks and Briggs. Yeah, Brooks and Briggs versus Imperium. <laughs> but uh, there's the boring bastards. <laughs> they uh, they cut a little inset promo, which is very retro as well. Uh, Jensen immediately comes in and just power slams uh, Fabian Eichner. So that was good. Uh, but the... Uh, 
you know, the Imper Imperium eventually, you know, use their wiles and, and numbers and, and what have you to, to finally outwit these two relative rookies. Uh, and when uh, Brooks Jensen goes up top, Marcel Bartel distracts him. That allows Eichner to hit him with that massive butterfly suplex off the top, Imperium bomb or, Imperium bomb or whatever it's called. Uh, Fabian Eichner covers him. One, two, three. Light and shade, I suppose, Sige. Yeah, I got nothing out of this. I got a big, fat, deep south wrestling, Florida championship wrestling, nothing out of this. You know what? I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> True to the roots of developmental when it went terrible. I got now out of there. I couldn't believe it. It was so funny, though. I did get something out of it. I tell a lie. Dun -dun, dun -dun, dun -dun, dun -dun. It's just like you're under a rainbow, mate. Like, cheer up. <laughs> I cheer up. There's literally nothing sacred. Your family name, one of the greatest professional tag team wrestling units ever in the Steiner Brothers. They're not sacred in NXT canon. Do you think Imperium sacred? Huh? <laughs> uh, I can't even remember anything that happened in this match, if I'm honest. Like, what a bunch of nondescript. Josh Briggs kind of sucks. All very nondescript, but not in a kind of idiotic meathead energy that we saw in this first hour. Just boring. I, I like as well the uh, it's Will Bond's take on Natalia every now and then when the, the music hits and it's like, ah, oh, it's not Brett. It's like, it's not Walter, it's Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that a couple of times already Cedric has made the point that um, this is feeling like developmental. There's, there's some praise buried in me taking the piss out of the show. Like this show had a bit more identity than the last seven months of NXT because it clearly was a developmental mm. show again. Like they established that in the first hour quite well. I thought it's like that's what this is now. And uh, Imperium are perfect for a developmental show because they got good fundamentals. Um, <laughs> great fundamentals, dull as dishwater, but great fundamentals. Um, yeah, they're a couple of hot prospects. IMO Imperium, solid, solid work. Uh, right, we get a promo from uh, Hit Row. They're talking about B-Fab and how fabulous she is. Um, she's trained with the best. She's ready to win. Uh, and she did. She dominated another sort of short squash match here. She faced Katrina Cortez. Um, Cortez, again, got in some offense. Uh, she comes off the middle rope, though, and gets a high kick right in the face, a neck breaker, and the one, two, three for B-Fab. B-Fab immediately cuts a promo saying that, you know, people didn't think that she could do this. Just because she can, you know, talk on the mic as well. She can do both. Just because she's on the outside for all the other stuff with Hit Row. She's, you know, she's there to make a make a statement, make a point and establish herself. Uh, and she, you know, talks about her running with uh, Electra Lopez of Legado del Fantasma. Uh, she says, you know, don't stick your nose in our business effectively. But out comes Legado del Fantasma. Uh, and Lopez is on the mic. She says... B5 clearly didn't learn her lesson the first time. They can do it all over again. And this time she won't need a pipe to shut that yappy mouth. B5 says, I'd love to do that. Let's do it right now. Lopez is up for it. She goes to go into the ring and confront her. But uh, Santos Escobar stops her. And B5 yells that Santos saved her life, Michael Sidgwick. I remarked on a podcast. It was you the cypher. The cipher that um, B-Fab completely stole the just magnetic performance. I said at the time, if B-Fab can go, WWE has its next absolute top star of this women's division. Raw, SmackDown, whatever you want to call it. She'd be almost impossible to screw up because what a personality. 
Like, what a presence. What a unique, distinct charisma. Uh, she can't go. So, she absolutely, this was useless. This was absolutely useless. And it should not have been useless because it didn't go long enough to reveal itself. And yet it did. Like, I'm a mark for the rude awakening. But uh, it wasn't done well. And this this is legitimate second month of wrestling school stuff. Um, but that's what the show is now. So enjoy the shoe, Paul. Enjoy the shoe. This show as well, like the way it was arranged and who you obviously could see at the end of the show, probably going to be a new NXT champion. The performers that were on the show who are going to be prioritised going forward. If it didn't feel like something was going to die, it definitely felt like that tonight, last night. Like TakeOver is dead. <laughs> like it's a bit of a shame people loved it. Um it's dead, and uh, so was this match. Yeah, Rude Awakening was right because I didn't want this to be as awful as it was, but uh, I got a shock. Like, what was what was her whole thing? It was like people say she couldn't do both. Well, those people were bang right. Like, the, I, I was trained by the best. Well, I don't think you were trained by William Regal because you didn't move your left foot. Um, Fire Terry I, Taylor. <laughs> Rule store, get her back just, in the, just get Doctor Tom in for God's sake. Yes. Get her back in the training ring and fix it. This was no good. This exposed B Fab uh, by proxy exposed Hit Row. I thought as well, um, and exposed Electra Lopez, who I was really high on last week because of that power slam spot. Kind of like stole. I don't want to call them headlines. Um, <laughs> stole the mid range conversation from last week's NXT. Um, for me, Electra Lopez, and I thought this segment was a miss as well. Like kind of talking over each other rubbish that like ran into a break. There was no sense of conclusion or other than in a wrestling sense of like, you know, I'll see you down the road or whatever. It didn't kind of come to any sort of exciting end. It was just a thing that happened and the match was, match was bad. It's like a minute or something again, mm-hmm. like they're keeping them short. I can't complain about like how short things are going. So not to expose people. And they still did. This wasn't on the fault of the agent and all the people trying to lay out the show for the betterment of the talent. This was unfortunately a case of, the talent that couldn't like make the most of the opportunity. This is like really disappointing. Hide her away. They're, they're in the right place. We shouldn't yeah. be watching them train and develop, but they're in the right place. Yeah. Uh, don't forget there's a wedding tonight. The grooms are backstage getting ready, putting their black gloves on. Uh, it is uh, Johnny Gargano, of course, Odyssey Jones, and here baby, to the moonies. You know, spent a lot of money on this. He's bought the champagne for the lads getting ready. But Gargano says tonight could be perfect. It's just missing one thing. What's that? There's a knock at the door. Austin Theory is back. Uh, he did admit to running away, but he couldn't miss Indy's wedding. And not only that, but he brought a priest with him. Damien Priest, that is. Uh, Gargano says, you do know he's he's not a real priest, don't you? And Damien says, ah, I'm just here for the party, lads, to be perfectly honest. And they go to do the high five thing, the no-look high five, and Gargano says, ah, put that away, and gives Austin Theory a big old hug. Great to see him back. Hamlet. It was really... <laughs> I missed it. Was it. What a hospital pass. Really inspired uh, choice to have Dexter Loomis Grooms with his outfit be his old stalking clothes. Like, that really made me laugh. You've got Gargano and Theory in his black Steve Jobs polo neck and leather gloves, as if they're like, they're going to break into the wedding through a window or something like that. Really enjoyed that. Um, Damien, like, 
something makes me laugh about Damien Priest getting a call. Oh, yeah, you know, you're the uh, hometown boy done good. You've escaped this show. You've made it on a roll. We haven't screwed you up yet on roll. It's going to feel big when you come back, star presence. Do you think that was the pitch? Or do you think it was, uh, we need your name for a gag? A one-line one gag in a backstage segment and your name makes the most sense. We'll take you. It was either you or Keith Lee and we couldn't fit Keith Lee into some wedding patter. So on you come. <laughs> like, it's funny, man. It's funny. It's rubbish. <laughs> I mean, I've got no... When he was saying that, I'm trying to think. Um, is there any, you know how Keith Lee likes to do his um, thing on Twitter where he'll change his name to like... It's not unbelievable. You know, stuff like that. Mm. Like undisputedly, <laughs> yeah, he does. He does this. He does it. He does it. Uh, is there anything Relent- like marriage? relentlessly? Yes. Is there anything else he can do with the, the marriage, wedding stuff, church stuff, matrimony? Adam, matrimony, Bowsley, ring leader. <laughs> Uh, right, that was followed uh, by the winner of the breakout tournament. Of course, Carmelo Hayes getting interviewed uh, in the ring. Uh, he said he's got the momentum, he's got the juice now, but he's got a target on his back and uh, people won't ever catch him off guard again. Uh, and uh, he's, he said this is a numbers game. So he's called his boy Trick up and Trick says, I'm about it, about it. Uh, I don't know what that means, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Hayes says as long as he's got this contract that guarantees him a title shot of course Trick's going to go every, everywhere he goes as well uh, and Trick gets on the mic and says he's proud of Carmelo he calls him the golden child of NXT he's got a bone to pick with him uh, he, uh, he's, uh, he's seen him talk the talk but you know who's this new humble Carmelo Hayes that's not who he used to be and uh, Hayes says you know what you're right No holding back, no reason to be humble. I'm the golden child. I'm the chosen one. When I shoot, I don't miss. And if I pass it, Trick's going to receive it. And then they they go to leave. Out comes Duke Bloody Hudson. He said he got to schedule Bloody Mitch. Uh, And he sees you bloody got bloody lucky in that bloody tournament, mate. And uh, I just passed them. (laughs) And uh, this is Trick says, look, this is what I've been talking about. This stops today. He goes in the ring, takes a shot, goes in the ring, spin kicks Duke Bloody Hudson, and they, the two of them beat him down. What do you think of this, Sidge? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, Trick has told Carmelo Hayes, like, God, you need to change your act. You need to change your attitude here, pal. And uh, Carmelo Hayes go, you know what, you're right. Is he right? Because at the start of the promo, you said he had all the juice and momentum. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Like, had Trick not said anything... You were probably going to have the confidence to go and win a title. But also, there was the uh, there was a little breadcrumb. I'm not sure if you saw it here for uh, something that was going to come later on because I'm not sure if you noticed Trick saying he got the gift of the gab and the gift of the jab. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, they're bringing it back, lads. Like, at the end of the day, this was uh, odd. This very <laughs> much. Like, uh, what I love about it, I don't mean to be cruel because, you know, Carmelo Hayes genuinely has, like, a really technically accomplished ring style. Um, but I just love, like, it's not just the pro, like, watching this show as an experience was, you know, a bit chaotic, a bit stupid, loads of main roster trappings, very stupid, very fun. But the best thing about watching this show is imagining the construction of the show in the background and just Vince, Bruce, Johnny, and Kev just taking one look at Carmelo Hayes, poor bastard, and just saying, yeah, he's boring. What to do to make him less boring? Get him a heater, turn him heel, done. 
<laughs> so tomorrow people can do side by sides of uh, Sean and Diesel. <laughs> Trick Williams is a little bit taller, so there's a Sean and Diesel energy about these two. I love that wrestling just does this stuff. Carmelo Hayes basically tonight playing the role of 2019 Excalibur. Here's my best friend, Trick Williams. Like as if the whole audience is supposed to be hyped about this. Like class, man. So stupid. I quite like Trick Williams. I felt something instantly between Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Yeah. Um, I know less than nothing about Trick Williams. So for all I know, they are actual mates down at the Performance Centre. There's some chemistry has been acknowledged off screen and they've gone sod it. You know, like we're going developmental again. Treat yourselves. Let's see how let's see how this looks, you know. Um, and if that's the case, it worked. Um, my gut feeling is something closer to Trick's. It's like he's, he's short and we don't quite trust him. Give me. Uh, and they've gotten away with one because these two seem to play off each other really well. Like, as far as over elaborate wrestling beatdowns go, as like a setup springboard flying elbow looked awesome. Like that shouldn't work in the context of a beatdown, and they kind of pulled that off. So I didn't think this. It was so stupid at its root, but I sort of thought this came across all right at the end. And I like I'm not not interested in this Carmelo Hayes Trick Williams like, yeah. pair. So why there, not? Like not a com- not a complete disaster. This is there another wrestler called Trick in NXT? No, I've no. No, I'm really paying much attention like, when I'm watching it. Trick Brick or something. No, I, I was just double-checking it because, I, I, you know, trick me once. I won't let them trick me twice. Uh, right, okay, backstage <laughs> is Mandy Rose. She's got a new look, but we can't see it. She's got a new look, hasn't she? Jaycee uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jane, Jolene. I can't wait for the Kelly's trick me button the next time we're in the office to go. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get worse in about five minutes as well. Oh, oh God. Great brothers. Uh, what time are you going to be Zach, Zach, who? I don't even know a Zach. He's dead to me. <laughs> Gigi and uh, JC are, are, are loving whatever Mandy Rose's new look is. And they are in action next against Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. Uh, and they go, let's have a quick chase going on backstage with Kyle O'Reilly. And then go to the car. <laughs> he gets the crap beaten out of him by Pete Dunn and Rich Bloody Holland. I couldn't believe that. Normally, it's just like, you know, shadow boxing or whatever, or taping the wrist. And they were like, oh, let's see how Kyle O'Reilly's getting on. Have some of that, you prick. <laughs> oh, I guess he's, guess he's not going to be competing that ball way for the title later then. Sorry, can we have a minute on this now? Because I don't want to interrupt the important analysis about the tag team that became a trios match. Um, Adam Cole <laughs> sat next to Tony Khan in the presentation, in the press conference after All Out. And he just said, you know, I was nothing but grateful to WWE and they were very graceful with me. No hard feelings whatsoever. Came in when I did because it was very important to me that I concluded business with my best friend the way it needed to be done. I'm just watching this going, well, it wasn't important to any of them. You might as well have off in the spring. You could have been in for double or nothing at this rate. Like, they didn't care. I, like, with, I don't want to be nasty. Like, we're laughing. This is, there's a retribution energy about this. This guy could lose his job. So I feel like a bit ghoulish, but proper CM Punk can't work the scramble match energy to this one. Like, get our glossy guy in, you know. I had the exact same thought, and the key depressing difference is that they didn't even strap up Kyle O'Reilly in the first place. I at least Punk got the belt, and it was like (laughs) a hard consolation. I don't really want to run with you. Don't know why we did that. Like, they never even gave him the belt. Uh. (laughs) 
Anyway, did he get did he get saved yet, or was the footage of him getting saved shown later? Uh, I think yeah, eventually got. I mean, it was a bit too too little, too late at this point. But yes, well, like tended to at least. Did he get? Did he see him get tended to here? I think so. Yeah. Can we talk about von Wagner? We'll get to that one when, <laughs> we'll when get we get when we get, get to the yeah. announcement. Yes, uh, because uh, we had the match, but I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because Casey went up top basically. Mandy Rose comes out, trips her DQ, and then they beat her down. And Mandy Rose takes down the hood to reveal she's not blonde; she's a brunette. Somebody got a haircut. And uh, what did you think of Mandy Rose's new look, Sige? <laughs> Sits there, I guess. Cool. Just like I, I see people dye their hair all the time. <laughs> Is this say about a character? She's a bit of a darker present. She's hanging around with goths now, so she dyes her hair brunette. I just thought black, black. If you're going to be a goth with Gigi Dool and listen to Marlon Manson, which you shouldn't be doing on the Nickelodeon show, you shouldn't be doing because Marlon Manson is an absolutely grotesque predator. You shouldn't be having the Jimmy Hart version of Marlon Manson because of this. And, you know, she was she didn't come in as this heel, as this baby face. She came in as a heel. She just got her hair dyed. I'm just... not taken from this. It's so cosmetic. Work in the matches, which is such a beautiful role special. Vince is here, baby. He's here to be Vince. <laughs> uh, I can't remember a single buddy move other than Catanzaro and friggin' Carter's spot. Mm. You say that about like Vince being here. Surely the one thing you want to do if Vince is there is like change yourself from being blonde. What was she thinking? Like absolute career suicide. Oh, Vince is here. I think I'll get rid of this blonde hair. I've heard he doesn't care for that. Well, what if Paul told her to do it a couple of weeks ago when he still had a semblance of power? But she was a smart worker. She'd go, well, he's bloody on the out. <laughs> <laughs> Are the out of creative just to make that abundantly yeah, yeah, clear? Yeah. Out in the in the corridors of power. Do not put words in my friggin' mouth. I just thought, I just thought, oh, cool. Dolph Ziggler's here in NXT. Remember when they went in? Oh, Dolph Ziggler, brown hair. Short <laughs> yeah. brown hair. There you go. Always oh, right. Dolph, Dolph Ziggler wanted to shaft Manny Rose once upon a time. So LTST. <laughs> Triple H advice to his East every time. Was, uh, don't wear all your gear tonight. This is your first match against John Cena. Save it for the big pay. Never wrestled again, Paul. Wasted money on a pimp jacket, Paul. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Saray runs down to even the numbers. And yeah, when we come back from the break, guess what? It's a trios match. It's a trios match here. Can you, can you call it a... a... <laughs> Six-person tag. Come on. He's doing it in a needle. I know he is. He said it three times. Why would you say it three times? Why would you use a trio of trios other than... Beetlejuice, the trios match. Absolutely. <laughs> Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolin, JC Jane versus Saray, Caden Carr and Casey Catanzaro. Uh, Saray, it's Saray. She's great. Come back from the break and she's hitting a missile drop kick. Uh, and then she gets a two count off the back of a fisherman suplex. Uh, Carter... Comes in, gets a, a drop kick, backsplash, in comes Casey Catanzaro, but the distractions catch up for her. She gets isolated in the wrong corner. Uh, later on, everything breaks down. Everyone attacks each other. We leave uh, Mandy Rose and Saray in the ring because of the history there and the kicking in the face and the, oh, what's happened? She broke her nose sort of thing from the other week. Uh, Carter comes in, super kicks Mandy Rose for a two count. Uh, but in the end, Rose hits a jumping knee to Carter's face to get the victory and... I don't know, set off this new heel stable, I suppose, Hamlet. 
Yeah, like a, a passable introduction of, if you want to call them like a new heel group. It's She's died air. They've existed for weeks, but this was an intent to like establish them as a new heel group. The work wasn't ever, I don't think, at any point, including when Saray was in there, interesting enough to be spoken about. You know, they were going through the motions. They felt very much like when you're on those old episodes of Tough Enough or Breaking Ground, when you see them work a match for the benefit of the judges or for the coaches or whatever. I felt like we were watching one of those. Um, it just that it was like a dress rehearsal they'd worn the gear for it or something like that. And as a result of the work being too bland, this was the first point I noticed that if indeed Vince was there or somebody else with Kevin Dunn, it was a point at which Kevin Dunn's elbow was being jabbed, uh, was being jabbed with an elbow to do what he does on Raw. Because I'd been quite enjoying at the start of the show. They always do this when they do new stuff. Smackdown Live 2016, NXT 2010. They stop using the hard camera and they use the jib. They like so it, you know sort of makes it a bit different, doesn't it? Like the show's always moving. Like normally it takes about six weeks for Vince to be like, "What the hell is that? I hate it. I can't. I can't. I can't keep attention." It took half an hour on this show because this was just cut, 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 cut. Hard camera. Mm. Like they'd got bored of that already, and it was within this match I noticed because I didn't think the work was interesting enough to keep my attention. <laughs> this poor people. Oh, he's <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Thanks, thanks for the solid work. <laughs> work, guys. No botches. Thanks for the solid work. Hey, I can't remember anything of the match. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, let's continue because there was a, uh, a video package for uh, NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez next. And I thought, oh, great. That's going to be fantastic to lead into the title match. Uh, that was it. That was the last I saw of her on this show. What happened, Hamlet? We, that was promised, wasn't it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Your timing's too tight, Kevin. Uh, what they just they realised that they wanted to get two LA Knight matches on instead. Um, this card had enough. Like that women's title match did feel like a bit of an outlier in the previewing and the promotion of it. Is it like there's a lot happening here? Like this is. So I guess they just decided to save it and not tell us any about it. So they've kept a few things from the old NXT. It's not all gone. Uh, right, this was the bit, Sige, with uh, William Regal announcing that Kyle O'Reilly is out of the Fatal 4-Way due to that backstage attack and replacing him is Von Wagner. Now, he's who's he related to? 
uh, one of the Belly Brothers, Beverly Brothers, Wayne right. Bloom. Wayne Bloom. That's the uh, he's, he's a big unit. He is a big unit. The son of one of the most fabulously cruel jobber murderers of his day. If he's if he's half as bloody horrible as his father, this is going to be absolutely incredible. Incredible. What a run. But I love this. Like, Kyle O'Reilly's been battered, right? The implication is we don't even deem him worthy of being in the match, right? The implication is that Pete Dunne versus Kyle O'Reilly are going to have a few that Vince is just going to keep the lights on for a bit of the old NXT and no one he's not really going to care about and it's going to go nowhere and who cares who wins. But as love, he's been tended to and rescued by his uh, his friend who hasn't been in any of the previous seasons of the show, but uh, we need him now. So you ought to just uh, pretend that they've been best buds. Is that Bobby Fish? Hmm. But Zach Kyler, it's not uh, the other one. Roddy, Roddy Strong. Strong. Uh, he was always friends with Von Wagner. <laughs> 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 He's always been friends. It's like in those. It's like in those buddy cop movies where they have to like explain a bit of backstory, and they're like, uh, "Sidge, you know, we've been partners for ten years. You were there for me when my wife left me for that asshole." <laughs> oh, okay, so you've established that he's a <laughs> best friend who's about to die in the opening scene. Got it. It's Big Von. Big Von is... <laughs> Sorry, I'm dying over it. He's always been a really close confidant of Kyle O'Reilly's. And um, you know what? He's going to fight to fight for his honour in, in the match later. Right. Where's Braun? <laughs> Where's the breaker? Where's Braun Breaker? Why isn't he in the match? I know why he isn't in the match, because he's going to beat the guy who won the match. But make it make sense. I love how quick, essentially, Vince, this is this thing has become already. Because that, I love the idea of that, like, cliched American sitcom opening credits where, like, the Undisputed Era, when it was all four of them, you do their pose on the baby, they'd all do that awesome thing in the middle of the ring, and then up diagonally to the side. And also Von Wagner. Like, <laughs> 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 just go back in the network and install him popping out <laughs> to the side. Baby! Wagner! <laughs> Lance Von Eric. <laughs> uh, what will happen next? Um, Drake, is there anything you want to say about this? Sorry, Hamlet, you were just saying the piece there. No, no. Um, it's, I mean, the when I came back off holiday, Sidgwick... One of the first things he said with glee was that, yeah, I was like, guess what? Guess what they might be calling Walter? Von Wagner. So like, if anything, this was like, initially it was a bit of a letdown. I was like, oh, they're going to keep him as Walter. Never mind. But he was so, and it was filmed this way as well. He was so tall in the picture. It was class. It was like, uh, Kyle, this is small. But look at this guy. <laughs> Again, it's, it's, there's a lot of this that works for me because it's like a, a ring full of workers and wrestlers competing for the vacated SmackDown World Heavyweight title won by the great Carly who holds it upside down. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's a lot of those nerves for me. It worked for me. Look how big he is. You know what? I'm going to uh, throw you into the deep end because you could literally stand there and your head would still be with you. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he a wagoner? Why is he Vaughn? <laughs> Von Wagner, the Von, the Von oh. 
fun. Uh, right, speaking of size difference, Drake Maverick versus uh, Rich Bloody Holland came next and he murdered him. He just battered the poor bastard. He, uh, he hits him with a backbreaker, an overhead belly to belly, European uppercut, short arm clothesline, overhead forearm. But that little plucky git, he doesn't want to quit. He's fighting back. He's, he's oh, maybe he's going to attack. No, massive headbutt from Rich Bloody Holland. Headbutts him again. Hits him with northern grit. One, two, three. We're not some garlic sauce with that, mate. Ridge Bloody Holland dominates Hamlet. Yeah. Um, Ridge Holland squashes is one of the few things that are genuinely earnestly liked about the end of the old NXT. So I liked it just as much here. And uh, they've done it again. Uh, this time it was the role of Drake Maverick to be Excalibur because he's, uh, he's Grayson Waller. And he's going to knock your brains out. Just like bring a guy like, oh yeah, we've been their best friends for 17 years. Me and Grayson go all the way back, all the way back to a 205 Live match you've never seen. Nobody watched, <laughs> no, no, watched 205 Live. I got with me Grayson Waller. Just, <laughs> just this will, I promise, people listen to this, like all of this will wear off. Like if, like if you've got all of the ironic joy that we did out of this episode, like it will wear off. So I'm going to, like luxuriating it this mm. week. Oh, it's, it's, it's Grayson. Uh, that was me. Middle of the night, you know, I didn't put it on Twitter, but like I didn't tell you guys, but I did watch live. Middle of the night message to WhatsApp, Cedric. Cedric, Grayson Waller's here. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe I've got Grayson Waller. Uh, it's very, very similar to uh, Brian Donison's debut, actually. Very similar. I just love this. It is like, I, I use this quite a lot, but it's the only analogy I think makes the most sense if you right programmed a bot to book nxt in the mud overtaken by vince mcmahon which is itself the most cynical scenario in fact it actually happened and you'd say right okay i've got the most cynical mindset imaginable about the state of wwe and how Vince McMahon sees things in his deranged mind. I'm going to program this bot with like a random name generator component. And this is what this bot is going to do to book NXT. And it's this, just big lad upon big lad, squash upon squash. Get your indie dollars in the bin. <laughs> Get them on their shelf. Get them in the bin. Get all this. Stupid goth stuff. It's man hates goth stuff. It's mad that the corporate ministry was a thing. Get this black darkness out of here. Get these big lads. Well, you can't even remember their names, even if only one of them was introduced because they're so inexplicable. Bron Breaker. Well, here's Von Wagner, Rich Bloody Holland. Here's Josh Briggs. You could honestly, the Dave Matthews band are lucky it's been trademarked <laughs> because Dave Matthews is next. And he's going to last two weeks. Much like the final solution in WCW, and then it's going to be all over for him. I just love all of this, man. Just big lads, squashing dudes, and looking hard, and main event in WrestleMania. And I love that. The more, only thing this missed from the, the Vincent Mann playbook was some like some bouncing boobs on the fellas, wasn't there? Like some Gary Schreider yeah. peck bouncing. Let's have a bit more of that, and we're good. We're golden. I just love it, man. The, he's done this thing with the right, okay, Champa. 
not headlining WrestleMania. You're not going to headline WrestleMania. You're not going to headline WrestleMania. Looks at Von Wagner. Pauses. That looks at Jake <laughs> uh, Maverick. You're not going to headline WrestleMania. And Vince McMahon, when he had a brain in his head that wasn't soup, used to have this thing. The airport test. Mm-hmm. Will people go, look at you in an airport? Right, you're a star. Does your name sound stupid when I've bullied Fink and then afterwards got Finkel to say your name at WrestleMania? Does that sound too stupid in the main event of WrestleMania? Yes. Well, we can't do that name. The main event of WrestleMania 40 is going to be Von Wagner versus Braun Breaker. Is that his name? Von Breaker? Von Breaker. Someone's on has got to gone. It's Von versus Braun in the main event. Anyway, right. Tommy Chompers backstage talks about being 908 days since he last had Goldie. But enough of all that bollocks because it's now time for Tony D'Angelo. Last time. (laughs) You schmucks. Oh my God. I love this so much. A little peek going. Little peek behind the curtain here. We were slightly late starting recording today because normally I sort of collate my notes. And I, 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 you know, rewatch the show and make sure I've got everything written and what have you. And I went, I got to write this promo for Batum guys because Tony uh, <laughs> D'Angelo's a real star. So Tony D'Angelo's there. He's walking the streets of Chicago because he was born and raised in the streets of Chicago. And he comes from a long line of uh, businessmen. Catches drift. He's got family interests. He's in, he's in waste management. He's in the fish market. He's in the meat market. You name it, they got a little hand in it, if you know what he's saying. He says he found his success in his own way. Yeah, amateur wrestling at the University of Buffalo. He was named an all-American in Greco-Roman style. But then, you know what? You know what happened, you schmuck? His family, his family smartening up. And told him there's no real money to be made in amateur wrestling. You know where the real money is? At that point, the I mafia. Thought, mafia. <laughs> I, thought you say, I thought you were gonna say AEW to be perfectly honest. But anyway, <laughs> you know where the real money is? NXT. I'll be seeing soon. Tony D'Angelo out. Oh, what a guy! What a guy this is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dying, man. I was dying. <laughs> just the subtext I love the subtext one of the funniest things is when the subtext is not subtext just see he's Tony Soprano or something <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I got hey, you know yeah, waste management yeah like just like in the Sopranos <laughs> if they if they don't name his finisher sleep them with the fishes Fish. I'm, I'm done I'm out Huh? He should call. He should call every. You should have on the one side of things. You got LA Knight thing, think but, and on the other hand, you, you should call every person he wrestles up in schmuck because that's what they are. And also credit to credit to uh, Reddit Squared Circle who said that he's got an alter ego, a fiend like alter ego called the Gabagool. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was loving. Yeah, we have waste management of fish market. Like I, I'm in the mafia, guys. <laughs> just in case, <laughs> I'm in the mafia. I just, oh, honestly, man, I've got a mafia guy in NXT now, and it absolutely rules. Um, it's just so funny. 
like the amount of jokes we can play with as these vignettes unfold, the amount of storyline potential they can have. Like WWE loves its romance storylines, right? Loves them. We just saw a wedding on uh, NXT on this very episode. On SmackDown, uh, Dolph Ziggler's trying to graft Tony Storm. And they do a romance story here with one of the women of NXT. And uh, what's his D'Angelo? Tony D'Angelo. Tony D'Angelo. Uh, one of the women can say, I don't want to take the next step. You know, we get frisky over here. And why don't you eat my pussy? And uh, because he's a <laughs> true mafia guy, you want to eat pussy at the gate. Like in the Sopranos, you know? Yeah. That's what they can do. Because that's what they think in the Sopranos. Oh, God. Probably when Uncle June goes down a bunker and eats some pussy. <laughs> some pussy in secret. <laughs> oh, this is this was the week one. NXT. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> hey, stop laughing! I'm talking here. You want to lose you? Hey, am I a clown? Tony, Tony, like any uh, any good mafia names? Where you nicking? Where you nicking all of this from? <laughs> Tony, it is amazing. amazing. Michael, uh, not an Italian enough. We got a couple assholes on a podcast. We can't use that name. <laughs> I think, I think he should. Uh, he should. Obviously, debut, win the world title, obviously, and get himself a little bit of a stable. And uh, he should get, like, as a henchman, should get Loomis. And they can say, hey, who, uh, who's that guy you're hanging around with? And they can go, hey, that's Gaylord Tightlips. You don't talk to him, all right? <laughs> Not my if word. you didn't watch NXT, guys, if you didn't watch NXT, <laughs> that's a lot less problematic later on, I assure you. I assure you, okay. <laughs> this is the most fun we've had on an NXT review in years. Oh god. Oh my god. It was, it was this in one final beat. <laughs> and pamphlet, it got even better because the Cree brothers were next, just wrecking dudes. Oh my god, what an arrival they've been. It's legitimately hard. To pivot from one thing we loved because like ripping the piss out of it is such a joy to legitimately and i include aw in this one of the best things in wrestling it's a great time to be a wrestling fan strictly, <laughs> because, of the, strictly because of the creed brothers it's aw and the creed brothers these are awesome like we tried to put them over as best as we could last week i'm going to do it all over again because you've got a completely different environment a completely different setup a totally different vibe a different energy this is nxt 2.0 blah 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 when an act is good, it doesn't matter where you put them. So you've taken them from the CWC to the soft play, and they're still absolutely incredible. Like, a inch-perfect squash. They know how to be themselves. Um, like, every week, they're giving you a spot that is just, uh, like, one of your takeaway spots from the show you just watched, and indeed one of your takeaway spots from the week. I love that they've taken the meet-in-the-middle aspect from uh, Authors of Pain, because like they're not around anymore, so why not use that thing? Because it just makes them look both great in sequence at the same time. They're fucking horrible. They're absolute. They're horrible bastards, and it's wrestling's fake. 
so you can just enjoy this. Like Sidgwick's more prone to like the ghoulish side of things. This, like, it's not safe. Wrestling's really painful and it hurts, and I would never do it. They're all braver than me. But like, this is all within the confines of pro wrestling as well. It's just really, really, really well worked viciousness. I love these two. Yeah, they they just really enjoy hurting people so much so that even when someone's not tagged in, they're going right. I'm gonna get out of it. Just batter this guy as well. They slap tag each other in the face to fire each other up. They're happy when their opponent gets a tiny bit of offense in. He's like, I love this. Yeah, let me get them more. It's great. It's, it's like a fire up. He throws him into the ropes and not like bouncing off as in just like, well, we'll see what happens here. Just throws him <laughs> yeah. into the top rope. And then I, I really hope, I don't know if this is official or not. So he hits the power slam. Uh, I think this was Julius, if I'm not mistake, mistaken. Uh, one of them, I, I apologize sincerely. The way they put him over, like he literally never lost a match when he was doing wrestling, you know, as an All-American or whatever it was. That made you think he's a big deal, this guy. So he power slams this guy. And then what they, I don't know whether they've just dubbed it this or not, but the phrase unnecessary clothesline as a finisher is just <laughs> magic. <laughs> you must have been on cloud nine with this. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I'll tell you what was my favorite thing about it. That squash last week, was too much for WWE to take. I knew the energy would be slightly suppressed. The pace would be slowed down a little. It was frenetic. It wasn't just brutal. It wasn't just brimming with character. It wasn't just so well performed. It was frantic. Like these people look like they were in danger. I get the distinct impression from watching this week's squash that they were told to slow it down a little bit. And guess what? It was still awesome. Post match. Yeah, I mean- just- can we put up because obviously we you know when these poor victims aren't even gonna get a name, are they? A wrestling training thing, I imagine, is to exit the ring safely and with grace when you get thrown out of it. There's a way that you know you're gonna get hoid out the ropes or whatever. Like credit to the job here for forgetting his training and like falling out of the ring like a sack shit. Like that looked so cruel with <laughs> the way he just like it was like the what we were talking about earlier on, the sliding down the wall. That was him sliding down the edge of the ropes and just collapsing in a heap on the ground. He didn't look like he was being eliminated from a Royal Rumble or something. He looked like he didn't have a breath left in his body. It was like so well performed in their role as bags of flesh <laughs> to, to punch. I've got Dan Jarman and Trevor Skelly written down here. So they're going to They were great. They were Uh, great. Post-match, Bibbins, yeah, gets on the mic and puts over that victory and also introduces the newest member of the Diamond Mind, Ivy Nile. Uh, She said she's in great shape. She hasn't had a carb in 16 years. He gets her to flex. She looks incredible. And then all of a sudden, Kushida interrupts. He's back. He says that they all talk too much. He's ready for Roderick Strong. And uh, Malcolm Bivens challenges him to a match for the Cruiserweight Championship next week. And Kushida appears to accept. Good stuff, this Hamlet. Yeah, Kushida's going to lose the bail. <laughs> <And> the, first, <laughs> <laughs> the first opportunity, Kushida's losing the bail to the little guy that hangs around with the big guys. Roderick, who? The little guy with the big guys. Um, I, this is, you know, in their defense, I guess, a continuation of the, of the work they've done to build up to this title change. Um, Kushida doesn't look terribly long for this new NXT. I don't know what the status of his WWE contract is, but um, I think he'll be used. I, th- I, th- I think he's going to get used as a jobber when he's lost this title. I think for them to set this matchup as quickly as they have um, tells me they want to get the belt into the Diamond Mine. The Creed Brothers is the interesting thing about the Diamond Mine. I'm just thinking about that finisher again, that unnecessary clothesline. It's like a hidden blade, but in plain sight and better than anyone carrying cross ever through. <laughs> 
So like, <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if that Kashida got leveled with that as well, because I sense that they'll be more interested in them too than whatever Roderick Strong's got to offer. The match should be good. And what do you make of Ivy Nile Sidge being in a new addition to the Diamond Mine? Looks like a little killer. So mm. that's cool. Um, Kashida's promo wasn't well timed at all. Um, God bless him. Right, let's get to Kushida. Fatal four way for the NXT Championship, the vacant NXT Championship. Of course, it was a big dude. LA Knight, Van Wagner, and Tommy Chomper going at it. It's your usual WWE Fatal Four Way, i.e., for the most part, two people are outside the ring to allow the other two to just have a normal match and spots and what have you. Um, but Von Wagner got some good spots in there. Um uh, he, he looks good early on eventually. Uh, Dunn's in there. He's having a showdown with Champa. Uh, armbar into a stomp on Champa's arm. But then Knight breaks it all up. Knight gets sent to the outside. They brawl again. Uh, Wagner comes in, cleans house. During the break, Wagner gets sent into the ring steps. Um, Knight, at one point as we're back from the break, hits the uh, Blunt Force Trauma for a two count, he hits someone on Dunn. Dunn goes to the outside, but then Champa hits him with the Widow's Bell for a two count. Champa then does that mad corkscrew flip dive to everyone on the outside. Uh, he gets Pete Dunn back in the ring, hits that running knee, goes to the fairy tale ending. Dunn blocks it. Dunn snaps Champa's fingers. He hits the bitter end, but then LA Knight comes in and throws Pete Dunn out. Wagner hits an Olympic slam on LA Knight and gets a great near fall in there. Uh, Champa hits a knee lift to the jaw, but then uh, Dunn hits an assisted German suplex. Dunn goes up top. LA Knight gets him up there with a suplex. Wagner hits a big slam. Champa breaks up the cover, though. Champa hits the fairy tale ending, uh, I believe, on LA Knight. One, two, three. Tommaso Champa is your new NXT champion. Didn't see that one coming, Sige. I didn't, but we know why it's happened. He's going to be positioned going forward. He's a transitional champion, I think. They couldn't have made it clear. I don't have to like reach for that thought or think very in-depth to think about it. We know why it's happened. And it's a smart move. It will symbolise the shift away from NXT. And there's probably nobody better on that brand other than Gargano, than Champa, to really get the best out of a limited performer, whether it's not good or whether it's too green, because look at what uh, Champa did with Karen Cross. Jesus Christ, what a carry job that was. In retrospect, miraculous. Absolutely miraculous work from uh, Champa. So this is a genuinely smart decision. Genuinely, I've gotten full of praise for it, given where the brand is headed. Um, if you want to legitimise these like meathead greenhorns and develop them along very quickly. Champ is the guy. It was unexpected. At the same time, you know, he's done well to get over within the drab confines of the CWC. There's a story being told there. It just feels like a nice thing to do for a loyal servant with a purpose. The match didn't blow me away, if I'm being perfectly honest. It was just uh, brisk, fast-paced, nice enough, modern match, Capital M, capital M, four-way. That's what it was. Didn't have States welcome. Didn't feel remotely big time at all, which was an issue. The ironic and genuinely aesthetically pleasing atmosphere is going to undermine this kind of thing because what kind of big pivotal career moment can take place 
here. You know what I mean? That's when it starts to feel very much like, oh, this is just a bright developmental thing with colours to distract from the fact that they're struggling to the transition spots and they're not moving their left foot because they're untrained views, essentially. That's what the colours are going to do. It's not just a triple H burial. It's, look at that, look at that, look at that. Don't look at, you know, drop them on his head. Because he's, you know, he's an absolute idiot. You can't <laughs> work yet. So, yeah, nothing's going to feel important here was my takeaway um, from the match, which otherwise, you know what, if, um, if my anticipation of the plotting is accurate, I think it's very clever. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of Champa being... Like winning the belt again, I don't think it's been done for no good reason, um, which it bodes well, I guess, you know, for whatever, you know, the, whatever it is they are setting him up with him as a transitional champion. That's, if you transition as somebody, it means you've got somebody in mind. So cool, they've thought beyond week one, you know, they're looking ahead, they want to try and keep this belt to mean something. Like everything else of old NXT, the belt itself looked like it didn't belong in the building. I don't know if you thought that. Much yeah. like Tommaso Camper in a lot of senses. A lot of them suddenly felt like they didn't belong on this show. So I would anticipate it's going to be part of a continual upheaval. And then once that belt goes, you can maybe think, well, really, is this... Yeah, it's the same in name, but not in legacy. As a match, um, like a lot was happening, but it felt like nothing was. Um, and I didn't even mind that that much because they were out of there in like 10 minutes or whatever. So I, I can't really complain too loudly about it. It was just for all the, for all the work that was being done, in terms of spots and moves and bumps, I, not, not one of them resonated. I didn't really feel anything for any of them. And I guess if the chase for the title had even had enough heft, then I would have done. You know, if like any of the near falls would have mattered if the who won mattered. Champa's keeping this belt warm until they attack it with a paintball gun and give it to their guy. That's that's what he's there to do. And I, I think if they'd have tried to make it feel any more than that, they would have been lying. The only time this felt like any kind of betrayal of anything meaningful was when Champa was staring at it and going like, oh, Goldie, oh, God, I miss you, Goldie, and, like, whapping it out for Goldie, and it was like, how him, hit? Like, this pattern is... Don't jizz on a belt. Somebody got a lot of trouble for that. Like, this patter is ancient, and it no longer belongs on this version of the show. So, like, what was cool was... Cedric pointed this out before, when he knocks his chair away at the end of his promo, that's the Maso Champer of today, but he did it saying, tonight I get Goldie back. It's like, oh, I like the new version of you better than that guy wanking on a belt. Like, sorry. <laughs> Who kind of torpedoed the Wednesday night war because it was so boring in his chase of that. <laughs> yeah, nobody bought into it, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, now it's time for the main event of the evening, Indexer's Wedding. Uh, we get a lovely montage chronicling their relationship leading up to this point uh, as the guests arrive. Uh, Dex is there with his groomsmen. The grizzled young veterans are caught saying, there's no bloody chance this wedding's going to go out with, you know, go off without a hitch, isn't it? Because look at him. I think there's going to be a fight, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, outcomes uh, Index, uh, sorry, outcomes Indy Hartwell after the break. Johnny Gargano walking her down the ring. Everyone sits down. The ceremony starts. It's Indy Ophelia Hartwell marrying Dexter Gaylord Loomis. That's the exact response they wanted out of me, and I've given them it. We know why they've called him Gaylord. Willborn, can you uh, elaborate on that? You do it. So the priest asks, well, uh, away. Johnny Gargano says he's that he's there, and he just he's just making sure that in the art world, sure she really wants to do, does this. She's sure he's sure. Okay, good stuff. 
and the presets. Who has the rings? Hey, Lord, man. <laughs> what are th- I know what they're thinking, and I think it's funny. The thing is that this company is so multifariously awful that I think a lot of the people will be thinking, uh, the second Vince gets in, they call him Gaylord. He could be Road Dog. He's yeah. a dickhead oh, as well. He's there, isn't he? Like awful old white fellas that have done this stuff back when it, like they imagined it would have got him a pop in the territories, like a homosexual, like in the frigging late seventies, early eighties, or something. When like the crowd would have been banned for some poor guy's blood. It's twenty twenty one. Like, you know, gay lord. Uh, so Vince, Vince howling down Victor. Laugh louder, Vic. Ha 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 ha. Uh, so they ask who's got the rings. Uh, Gargano asks if Austin Theory's got them. Well, he's a bit thick and he says, we're in a ring, silly. And then... <laughs> well, I wanted to die at that moment, Mike. But I cannot the... wait. I can't wait for Tony to pop a cap in his ass. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> stupid <Yeah>. asshole. <laughs> were you the stupid when I met with you? Favourite <laughs> 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 Sopranos last. <laughs> Guy's got an axe. <laughs> so uh, Ikamanjiro reveals it's him. He's got it in his snazzy old jacket whilst he's wearing his coloured speedos. And um, Johnny takes them, hands them over, and we do the whole, if anyone's got a reason why these two should not be married, speak now, forever hold your peace. Everyone, everyone sat there, raises their hands. Dexter Loomis opens up his jacket and reveals an axe in there and everyone slowly lowers their hands. Huge bap in the Wilborn household for that one, of course. Um, they've written their own vows. Indy Hartwell uh, says, Dexter, look, I know you're misunderstood by so many people. Some people see you as a creep, but I see you as a cuddly teddy bear. Some people see a stalker. Well, all I see is a well-groomed man with a great mustache who watches my every move. People say, you're a freak. Damn right, he's a freak. Dexter's my freak, she says. She'll always remember that one time when he snuck into her bed late at night when Johnny and Candace were, oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Dexter Loomis tells her, talk about that. Johnny, furious. Him and Candace can't believe what's been suggested here. Let's let's rapidly move on. Uh, And Indy concludes by saying, I I love the fact that you never lose a staring contest. You'll always keep me safe. I love you. What a wonderful selection of vows that was there from Indy Hall. Now, it's Dexter Gaylord Loomis's turn to recite his vows, of course. (laughs) He stands there. Everyone shushes and he gives her a little thumbs up. And the, the priest says, that's it? That, no vows? Come on. I know you you know might be a bit nervous, but come on, you've got to do your vows. It's your bloody wedding. And Dex Lewis responds by choking the life out of him. Blacks out and uh, we've got no priest. What's, what's going to happen? They want Gargano to do it. He says, I can't do it. Regal, you do it. Regal's there. He sat with a zombie reverie, of course. But then to save the day, here comes Beth Phoenix. She was afraid something like this was going to happen. So she got ordained last night. She says, you know what? Let's cut to the chase. And Andre Chase stands up and says, did someone say Andre Chase? Odyssey Jones. I love Odyssey Jones. Just goes behind him and goes, sit down right now. Gets Gets a huge bap, gets a chant from the crowd. He sits back down. 
They do the exchange of the rings. Do you take him? Do you take her? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, until death, hopefully due to natural causes and not an axe, you do part. She asks Indy, she asks uh, Dexter. And Indy, of course, says, I do. I should say that. And Dexter, she says, you know what? You know, I'll, ta- I'll take that as a yes. She goes to conclude the ceremony and Dexter Loomis covers her mic leans forward and says the words, I do. Huge pop. Tony D'Angelo size goddamn pop. (laughs) I love more that than I did at the wedding. Beth says, by the power vested in me by freeordainedministers.com, she pronounces them husband and wife. They kiss He does the carrying of her out of the ring and we cut backstage to see Tommaso Ciampa watching on a monitor when Braun Breaker shows up. Ciampa congratulates him on his first win, extends a hand, they shake, and then there's a stare down as the show goes off the air. Hamlet, a perfect wrestling wedding and a tease of potentially things to come for that world title, eh? Yeah, I uh, I mean... I just really enjoyed a bit of light relief after such a heavy show. Um, this was this was fine. Like had a couple of cute gags in. Um, nothing, nothing that was like other than Dexter's middle name that was so bad that I could see the hand of the author and I was angry with it, which is often the problem with very very heavily WWE influenced comedy. Is that mm. too much? You're not watching jokes play out. You're watching the process that got you to the jokes. Um, Weddings is one of these areas that for some reason, even though you can see both happening, it seems to play out well. And I think it did here. Like, I also quite like, they stand a better chance of surviving as they are anyway. Um, the way we were kind of talked about the way we're probably due a baby face turn. If you were going to have a group that was going to turn, there was, there's quite a lot to like, there's quite a certain amount of idiot, idiotic charm about the way. And this was pretty much their formal baby face turn. So that was fine too. Uh, low on scandal or chaos. So I don't think it's going to be one of the more memorable ones, but not an awful time. Like genuinely not a terrible time. They thought quite deeply about this lame rubbish that I didn't really think was funny. I'll give them that. Like the whole Beth Phoenix thing, she's for weeks has been playing the woman. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the wedding and how buzz she is, you know, it got paid off. The character stuff of like, I do, that's been like, way too long of my life in the making. I couldn't think of a specific time metric when I first was confronted with Dexter Loomis, but it was way too long in my life in the making. Um, the thing about Andre Chase, did someone say Andre Chase? And my first thought was, was Andre Chase? this? <laughs> <laughs> I love that they could have done that gag because of this theme of the show. They could have been like, they could have created a character called Brandon Vow. Did somebody say Brandon Vow? And we were like, oh yeah, it's, it's that long-standing NXT star. So a lot of the people involved clearly were having fun that this thing that they've clearly contributed to the process saw come to fruition. Indy Hartwell, who's been the star of the whole thing, the staring contest line got a huge pop in what was formerly the CWC. So I was happy that people responded. I was more warmed by that crowd response to that gag, even though I didn't think it was that funny, purely because she's grafted her ass off throughout the storyline. Mm. I'm in a 
this is typical NXT 2.0. This is so NXT 2.0, guys. When they tried to be funny, I didn't even go, <laughs> I just actively thought it was pretty rubbish. But, you know, they thought about it and they crafted things. As opposed to, oh, that guy's turned. Good to see a direction for him. Oh, the heel team was rubbish. It doesn't automatically make it good. They crafted. Right? I enjoy seeing craft in front of my eyes. But in typical NXT 2.0 fashion, it's already typical. Instantly iconic, which this. The funnier bits aren't the comedy. <laughs> like, Braun Breaker. I'm legitimately not doing a bit here. That's his name. Braun Breaker went up to Champa, right, at the end of the show to tease the future direction. And he said, congratulations on winning the title. And in response to Marcel Champa went, thanks, Braun Breaker. And then said something else. <laughs> like, just please kill me now. Like, when we go to the office, Hamflit, do I go, hey, Michael Hamflit, do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> hey, Adam uh, Wilborn, are, you, are we ready to record? Like, no one talks like this. It just... Oh, it's hilariously bad. I don't want anything off you, Michael Sidgwick, on account of that game of pool you beat me at last Wednesday in the What Culture Office. <laughs> I just, honestly, it's class, man. These, uns, the unseen cousins of NXT, this era rules so hard, but unfortunately, you can only pretend that they've been in your life once because they're going to be in your life next week and it's not going to be anywhere near as perversely entertaining. Yeah, what just we conclude here? What do you both say? Starting with you, what do you think of NXT 2.0? I've just said it. Like, we've got the better, the funniest week has happened of Von Wagner's coming to the rescue of close friend Kyle O'Reilly <laughs> in an event that we think you're going to take seriously. <laughs> Hilarious. You'll never beat that. I ever. You'll never see the colors again as new for the first time. At some point, the meathead energy buzz is going to wear off. Are you going to think, oh, God, these Creed brothers on this uh, break, I fella, they're green. They're greener than the bit of the logo. But what a wonderfully, ironically great first week. Yeah, I have to agree. Takeover's dead. That was my prevailing feeling. Like, I have to agree. It's even within, so like, I, I like the big guy, the big jacked, boring Vince guys when they're used correctly and some of them get over and some of them got charisma which is tremendous but I even remember like the first was the the first NXT title match when Seth won the belt and won the tournament he was in the final against Jinder Mahal Mm. so even then Triple H hadn't quite eliminated the people that were very much of the old Vince ways to get he like Seth was going over Jinder so that was the main thing Seth was a Triple H guy but and people knew him from Ring of Honor first case of Triple H embracing the indies a little bit but he was fighting Jinder Mahal, who Triple H had to put there as almost a way to say, we're absolutely phasing out the tall, muscular, bland guys from the past for the indie guys that you like, that we're going to put a bit of polish on. Um, we're going to fix the fundamentals because we like everything else they do and we know that you like them. Um, it's going back the other way. Tommaso mm. Ciampa is going to be Seth Rollins losing to the next generation as Jinder Mahal. Like, that's NXT like feeling like it's just come full circle and then on to the next one. So this was really fun because of loads of novelty value. Um, I'm not saying there isn't going to be entertainment to be found in some of these characters in the weeks to come, but certainly from a, a novelty perspective, I think we've already hit, which is not great after episode one. I think we've already hit peak NXT 2.0. Mm. Like everything is going to be on a sliding scale at this point, I think. 
I had a far, far better time watching NXT oh, God, than yeah. I have in months. So yeah. credit where that's due. And uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts on NXT 2.0 uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can follow me <laughs> at Adam Wilborn, your schmuck on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us all, as I said, at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including myself and Michael Hamlet, uh, previewing that Outlaw Mud Show AW Dynamite later on today. No, Michael Sidgwick, uh, he's got the afternoon off, and uh, yeah. Uh, the inmates are running the asylum, basically. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling uh, as this weekend, myself and the Dadly Boys book Tony D'Angelo to be the one that out... Uh... <laughs> Stop D'Angelo, I need to go. That out wrestles <laughs> and defeats Roman Reigns using John Cena's entrance to WrestleMania. How do you like that, huh? Right, anyway, this has been the NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.